Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. And uh, I was very much looking forward to today. I had been uh, away on a, a little bit of a hiatus, and uh, I'm back in my chair and uh, looking forward to uh, meeting uh, our new entrepreneur. And uh, we're going to be speaking with Rafi Vartanian, CEO and co-founder of Ziba Foods. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Nice to be here. Tell me about Ziba Foods. So um, Ziba Foods is, is an artisanal nut and dried fruit company um, with a strong commitment to quality, stability, and social responsibility. We offer a diver diverse range of products, including trail mixes and sweet apricot kernels, unique varieties of heirloom almonds. What sets us apart is our, our collaboration with smallhold farmers and cooperatives in Afghanistan, uh, where we source and produce all of our products. And with the kind of loftier aim of reviving Afghanistan's dried fruit and nut production and and they're kind of and on a on a more, more global scale than they're used to. You know, all of our products are free of chemicals and pesticides, ensuring that they're healthier and more nutrient dense. And we maintain a, a shelf stability without any additives or, uh, or preservatives. And you know our unique approach to sourcing and and seeking really delicious products, I think sets us apart. Wow. So, you know, uh, I'm going to move quickly. Uh, let's get into our little Wayback Machine. How did you get uh, to this point in time in your life as an entrepreneur? Because you must have had an interesting journey. Sure. I, I mean, I think I, I come at it from a, a background in, in the shipping and commodities industry. So you really sort of see things at, from the ground up. So that was not in an entrepreneurial context, sort of after college studying economics and government, didn't want to work in finance per se, but wanted to sort of work in trade and sort of what things how things actually came to being, you know, um, and and raw materials and shipping sort of was this and logistics overall was a huge part of this. And that brought me to South Africa initially for a number of years working in various ports and then to the Middle East, to Dubai, where things from an entrepreneurial context were just booming for the region. It was a great place to be to start your own business, no matter where that was. And I, I did so uh, in a couple of other ventures, not in food yet, but in logistics related to agriculture in East Africa. And that brought me to Afghanistan, where I met my fellow co-founders and wanted to apply this sort of, you know, our background and interest in development and the movement of goods and logistics, but to a context in which we can affect local communities, but in the food space and create delicious products on top of it, sort of something that, that ties all of the co-founders together. Um, and, and trust me, no one was doing that at the time. So the entrepreneurial spirit sort of comes down on you when, 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 when you need to, to make it happen. So tell me about your co-founders. So uh, there's a, a few of us all from 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 different backgrounds. Uh, four of us uh, um, all together. One with a background in finance. Um, another who was a, actually a, a um, an Afghan refugee but from 1980 who ended up in in the San Francisco Bay Area. Brought him back to Dubai in in, in 2001 after the after the fall of the of the Taliban government then, um, and he was working in logistics. And Patrick, who I you know, co-run the business with. He was a Peace Corps volunteer, ended up going to business school and, and working in at, for, for a power distribution company all over the world, from Libya to Pakistan to Egypt, and also found himself in Afghanistan. And all of us were sort of getting further away from our interest in development and food and these kind of more corporate careers and, and sort of said, oh, there's there's concepts and ideas here that we can, we can put into practice with our experience and sort of born with Ziba Foods in 2015. So uh, what is your channel for distribution? 
So um, we work with in multiple channels. I mean, so once all we we process everything in Afghanistan in our factory, and it's and it's worth noting that you know not only are we trying to work with smallhold farmers and 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 uh, uh, cooperatives, but our factory itself is almost entirely run by women, even in the current political context. And so there's a lot of training on food safety. We built that factory from scratch early on, um, and once everything is processed and packed and 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 uh, and boxed and uh, containerized there, it comes to our, our facility, um, 3PL in, in outside Philadelphia. And from there, we work with the likes of KEHI and UNFI, and we distribute directly to some accounts, work with Amazon, et cetera. So multi multiple channels within the U.S. and some overseas, but the U.S. is, is, our, is our largest market. Yes, I have to go back on one of your comments because it was unusual that you have a plant that's mostly populated with women. Is that unusual? And, and um, how did you make that decision? So that was, that was early on. We sort of from a, from if we look at, at at our at our business in from a from an ethical supply chain, we're trying to work with marginalized communities, and it often is the agricultural community, but certainly in a place like Afghanistan, with through much of its history, but certainly in the early Taliban area, and then as 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 uh, uh, time has gone on, women have been marginalized in the sort of the workforce, and so. Though they've traditionally worked in the dried fruit and nut sector, it hasn't been in this professional, organized way, receiving salaries, et cetera. So one of our early decisions was wherever possible, and just given the context, sometimes it's not possible to hire women for a certain role if they're not permitted in a certain building, et cetera, but that's very rare. Um, we wanted to 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 employ, a, you know, initially a small team, and now about 25 women, and not just at the sort of factory floors sorting and packing, our plant manager, um, head of marketing, um, shipping director, et cetera, sort of a range of, 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 of skills and backgrounds. And they've all been with us since the very start, even before we had a customer. We knew that we needed to build this infrastructure in order to scale and be taken seriously when we went and pitched to, to whomever initially in the food service business, but then as we grew into, into moving into retail. Are there advantages in a, uh, Afghanistan in hiring a female workforce over a male workforce? Um, uh, I, I, you know, because we haven't hired a male workforce, I would say, but I think, I think, um, um, intuitively the answer is yes. It's, it's, it's such a wonderful, hard group working group of women who support their entire families. Unfortunately, so many, uh, uh, quite harrowing stories, whether husbands have been injured through roadside bombings over the time or drug addiction, sort of a lot of things, which are sort of very common in the urban areas in, or, or just, you know, had no one else. Um, their their need and desire to work was 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 quite important, but also I think provided a, a lot of our staff an outlet to socialize outside of their own families, and so it just bred this great culture that that I think was just going on even without our understanding it. And so this would have been a, a, a huge win from from our perspective thereafter. And given the economic situation over the last few years, and certainly after the last transition. Now where, and we even had scenarios where, where certain female staff, you know, after they got married, the husband didn't want them to work and then they left. Of course, the doors were always open. And when they realized the kind of salary they were making in comparison to what was out there, uh, um, they, they, the, the, the new husband acquiesced to, to her working. And, you know, of, of, of course, now in many cases, the, our staff are the sole breadwinner of, of families between 10 and 14 people. So uh, there probably isn't any food store I probably wouldn't go into that I know of that doesn't have dried fruits or nuts. So what's your competitive advantage? 
Well, um, to, to start out with, the varieties that are grown in Afghanistan are completely different to what I would say you would probably would see in the stores that you have visited. Um, so not only the different varietals, as a result, they have completely different flavor profiles and nutritional panels. I mean, just as an example, um, there are 109 varieties of almonds grown in Afghanistan. Some not commercially viable for export because they're grown in one valley, but um, we call them heirloom because these, these trees, these seeds have been passed down now for, for generations and it's unique soil makeup and, and naturally irrigated. And I want to stress that these are not, you know, California, just as a simple education, you may or may not know, you know, grows 80% of the world's almonds um, and, and much of these types of products. Ironically, originally uh, planted there in the 1950s and, and 60s by Armenian, Afghan, Persian sort of immigrants because the land was cheap and it was very similar to the areas of Central Asia where these where these products are native, including pomegranates for that matter. But I mean, that's been consolidated and commercialized to such a massive degree that flavor has been lost in that and nutritional value as they've been you know, steam sterilized or pasteurized because of a case of salmonella, you know, 25 years ago, et cetera. So you get a uniform size and shape and varietal that you have to add all these flavors and salts and sugars to, to make them taste good. Whereas our products with often surprises people, only one ingredient on the package and maybe two, which is a local Afghan salt, where we'll roast one of our apricot kernels or, or one of our varieties of almonds. And we sell multiple varieties that just have these honey-like textures and flavors and are, are, are I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard to explain, but um, when you taste it, I think this is what drove all of us to to want to invest in this business and this process was just was being in Afghanistan, as I said, in different contexts and being served these types of products, which is so traditional with green tea in the mornings or during meetings. And, and they just they just blew our minds. I mean, and, and then you delve deeper and it's not just one type or two types. I mean, you have so many to choose from. That was a really fun process early on as we still have this wall of I think we tied about 78 or 82 different varieties uh, before we sort of selected the three, four that we now now work with you, most. You, I, you know, I've eaten uh, in the last hour or so, and you have me salivating because almonds and apricots are two of the staples of my diet. Uh, so good so for you. And and these have those higher nutritional contents. And, just are, and I also just get this more pleasure from eating what you already probably like because of the, the flavors are, are just... So much more. Yeah, we say that this is what they're supposed to taste like. I think that's that's the way we describe it when you do, when you do eat them. So tell us and our listeners, and tell me where can we find your product, and how can we learn more about you and the company. So um, of course, you can visit our website uh, www.zebafoods.com or visit our our Instagram handle at, at zebafoods. But we are available um, at uh, Whole Foods markets in. Um, the, at the moment, at the mid-Atlantic region, so kind of the southern New Jersey, Pennsylvania, D.C., Virginia area, um, a lot of the Kroger banners, uh, including um, uh, King Supers and Ralph's, sort of more on the West Coast, Rocky Mountain, uh, great stores, and again, in the mid-Atlantic, like Mom's Organic, um, Market of Choice up in the uh, Pacific Northwest, Erewhon, which sort of, you know, it's gotten a a bit of notoriety over the last you know, a couple of years in, in the Los Angeles area, as well as world market locations. And very soon, um, at, at, uh, many Sierra uh, uh, trading house uh, um, locations, including, I believe, in the, in the Boston area. 
and that's imminent. They have the product and we're just waiting for it to get on shelf. Of course, on Amazon and, and, and as I mentioned, direct, direct from our website where you get a little bit more variety than what may be available in store. Well, I, you know, I really appreciate your being on the show today. Uh, I have a career oh, thank uh, you. Thank working with different food companies. Uh, and I, I hope you stay in touch with us and come back to the show again. Oh, absolutely. Wanna, it's a pleasure. I remind everybody this is Radio Entrepreneurs.